Welcome to Unity of Tucson. It's okay to have wants and desires. I think a lot of times we come into spiritual community and they say, oh, the most blessed way to be is to let go of all desire, to let go of all wants, to let go, let go, let go. I mean, you know what? I want stuff. I want to have a great life. I want to enjoy life. I want to have things in my life. And that's okay. And we can all be okay with that. Yes? Yes. And then the lyric continues, but giving thanks for what I've got makes me so much happier than keeping score. So here's the thing. I can want those things, and I can experience those things, and I can welcome those things into my life, but it is the gratitude feeling around those things that make it a quality rather than the quantity of stuff that I have accumulated. And that's how life gets better. You know, I I talk about this this formula that... uh, I I believe I coined the formula, thoughts, I talked about it last week, thoughts to the power of beliefs to the power of feeling equals the quality of your life. So the feeling, that feeling of gratitude can exponentially change the quality of your life. And so today is about gratitude and about a lot of other things too. But, you know, we go into this week of Thanksgiving, and I think it's really important that we settle our minds and our hearts into this feeling of gratitude and not have it be just one Thursday every year here in the United States. And I say that because I used to live in Canada, so I at least got two Thanksgivings every year while I was living there. So, yeah, gratitude. Now, ways that we can express gratitude are abundant. Today... Today, uh, it, it, I, I will tell you, I struggled with the topics today from the book Spiritual Economics. So just a reminder, this is our final week. This is week six of our fall spiritual renewal series where we have been looking at the work of Eric Butterworth and his uh, book Spiritual Economics. And today, have you all read, have you all read the chapter yet today? Um, you ready? It's, it's, it's the T word that sends a lot of people running. The T word being tithing. <laughs> so he, he has a whole chapter on tithing. Now, he has a take on tithing that I appreciate and I welcome. I'm grateful for his take. <clears throat> but I want to start with this question, just in your own minds to reflect upon for just a moment. I want you to bring to mind an answer to this question. What is tithing? And see the feeling that comes up for you around whatever answer comes up. Because there are different schools of thought on tithing. Now, Edwin Gaines, you all know who Edwin Gaines is, or many of you probably know who Edwin Gaines is, yes? Edwin Gaines is a unity minister, and her entire ministry, 100% of her ministry, is prosperity. She is the money minister. She is talking about money. Now, she defines prosperity as more than money. It is about also the quality of our life. So I, I get that. But she's, she goes around and talks to communities all over the country, all over the world, saying, here's how you can bring more money into your life. And she has a very specific method for understanding tithing. She says, tithing is giving back to God one-tenth of everything you receive. And she is firm in that. She says, 9% is not enough. That's her point of view. Now let's juxtapose that with what Eric Butterworth 
talks about with respect to tithing. He wrote this, Tithing is not an end, but a helpful means towards an end of living totally in a giving consciousness. And I hold this to be true in my heart because I utilize tithing in my own personal practice, but I don't require it of anybody. You get to decide what works for you. But for me, it was a helpful means to an end of a total giving consciousness that I live within now. I don't fear giving, and I don't fear receiving, and I choose to live in the infinite circulation, the infinite flow. That's what it's all about. So he titled the chapter, A New Look at Tithing. Tithing is not a law. Edwin Gaines would disagree with me on this. I don't care. (laughs) Tithing is not a law, but we live within a law of circulation so that as we give, so we receive. So one unity minister says that tithing, the practice of that 10%, is a necessity. And the other says it's a mean towards an end. And so I ask, who is right? That's a rhetorical question. Who is right? And it's rhetorical because whomever you believe is right, is right. And there's probably going to be a different answer in the minds of every single person here and everyone watching online. You all have your own approach. You all have your own way of relating to the practice of engaging the law of circulation. And I'm going to encourage a deeper practice in that expression and experience of the law of circulation. Because it is a thing I believe that can change your life. Now, it's clear to me that whomever you believe is right has basis in the teaching. Because Jesus said, it is done unto you as you believe. That's the truth. It is done unto you as you believe. That is a fundamental tenet of what we teach here. Remember, thoughts to the power of belief to the power of feeling equals the quality of our, of our lives. And so if we want to enhance the quality of our lives, we must address the beliefs and address the feelings and address the thoughts. And when we do that, we change the experience. Now, there are some people, certainly no one in this room, who think that tithing is a means to get. Because they hear what many prosperity principle teachers teach, and that is, if you give 10%, you can welcome back tenfold abundance. And so what that does is it triggers in our brains, oh, I can get something, so I'm going to give, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to give 10%, and I'm going to be really specific about giving 10%. That's the wrong attitude, I believe. I believe that is the wrong attitude. For tithing or giving is a way to train our consciousness to be in the abundant flow without concern about accumulation. It is about quality, not quantity. And that's what I want to keep coming back to. It is about the quality, not the quantity. Now, where we get into trouble is where the theme of today's message, the the title of today's Sunday message comes from. We get into trouble when we live lives rooted in doubt. 
If there is a doubt in our mind, you know what happens? We have set the limit to our experience because we can only experience up to the level of our doubt. Doubt sets the limit. So if there is doubt in our minds as to the effectiveness of tithing, don't start tithing because it's not going to work for you. If there is a level of doubt with respect to giving, do not start giving to try to eliminate the doubt. Eliminate the doubt, and you know what's going to end up happening? You're going to feel the freedom to live in the circulation. And that is both giving and receiving. So doubt is a limitation. Doubt sets the limit on our experience, and you will never exceed the experience beyond the doubts you carry. That's the dance we're doing all the time. It's what I call the doubt dance, right? Because <laughs> here's the thing, too. Nobody has, nobody is completely devoid of doubt. We all carry doubts in some fashion or another about things in our life. Is there anyone who does not have any doubt about anything in their life? See, I knew it. Every time I ask a question like that, it's always, I always prove myself to be right in that moment. We all have doubts, Right? And we shouldn't fear the doubt. We should be able to look at the doubt and say, oh, I see you. I see you. And I know how to address you. That's the power of spiritual practice because it is spiritual practice that begins to eliminate the doubt, that begins to erase. It's like it takes, a, like, it takes the back of a pencil. Remember those? It takes the back of a pencil. See, nobody uses pencils anymore because we're all on earth. It takes the back of the pencil and it erases. I love that. And then as soon as that doubt is erased, we turn around and oh, there's another doubt. So it's a constant practice. And that's what, you know, the joy in spiritual practice is for me, that we are constantly elevating our understanding and our experience of this thing called life. So there may be doubts in terms of why you may or may not choose to be in a giving consciousness. So I, I want to ask you this question just for consideration. Just actually, I'm, I'm going to phrase it this way. Invite yourself to hear my voice as your own within and ask yourself this question. What is the reason I give? What is the reason I give? And just see what comes up for you. What is the reason I give? And let's step away from any judgment around what comes up and just live in an awareness that the answer for some may have been, I give to get. But in that awareness, you get to decide what to do with that information now. Some people may have come up with this, I give because it's an expression of love. Love is the self-givingness of the Spirit. Love is the self-givingness of God to itself for the purposes of creation. And so all we're ever doing is engaging in the experience of love through giving and through receiving. What is the reason I give? If I'm giving to get, that may be something that I need to look at. And consciousness precedes action, not the other way around. 
It is not an act of giving that produces results of living in the flow in your life. It is the consciousness behind the act of giving that produces results. Eric Butterworth wrote, when the fair, he wrote this, when, the, when Jesus criticized the Pharisees for tithing without love, he could have been implying that they tithed decimally and not spiritually. Decimally is tithing with quantity in mind. Tithing spiritually is tithing with quality in mind. So what is the quality of life you would like to experience? It's all rooted in your consciousness, the way that you are approaching and experiencing life in this infinite circulation. So, why and where to tithe? Now, I said I'm a tithing, I, I, I practice tithing. And I'll tell you why I practice tithing. It's just the easiest way. I don't have to sit down and figure out, I don't have to sit down and figure out, oh, if I'm giving 8.2% of blah, 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 it's easier. I can say, I'm giving 10%, and so I just move a decimal, right? But I understand the purpose behind the tithe. And so that's what's really more important because the purpose behind the tithe is the quality. So why do I tithe? Why? Because it engages that giving consciousness like love. Like love. The more I give, the more I receive. Being in the flow. Where to tithe? Now that's a big one because you're going to hear different people talk about different ways of tithing and what tithing is and what tithing isn't. I hold firm. This is my belief. And remember, uh, I keep saying that I will let you know what my beliefs are. I will tell you what we teach. Well, the teaching around this is all over the map. So I'm going to just tell you what I believe personally. You get to decide what you believe. I choose to tithe to the place of my spiritual nourishment. That is tithing. And so I choose to give back, at minimum, 10% to the place of my spiritual nourishment. I also give to charity. That is not tithing for me, although it is a blessed practice. It is a blessed practice. Because if we are tithing to charity, we may be tithing and giving to a consciousness of lack or a consciousness of need when we are giving to charity. I believe that when we are tithing to where we are spiritually nourished, when we are giving to where we are spiritually nourished, we are giving to and through and as love. The practice, as Edwine says, of giving to God, the source of spiritual nourishment, is rooted in the law of circulation. And remember last week I talked about that law and about kinking the hose, that any place where we are fearful of giving or fearful of receiving, we have put a kink in the hose of the infinite circulation, and that will limit the experience. That kink is often brought, upon, brought about by doubt. So what is the doubt? What is the doubt dance that you are doing? We can dance with doubt, but the doubt will always set the limit. When you begin to see things from the high perspective, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I was about to make a very inappropriate joke, <laughs> but I'll be ministerial today, which is unusual, isn't it? When you, <laughs> when you begin to see things from the high perspective of the ever-presence of God's substance, you will be in the creative flow of abundance, which will bless your life with sustained affluence. What a great quote, right? 
And we can apply that quote. We can apply that quote in so many ways. As I have said every single week, this principle of circulation that we teach goes beyond money. And so we could very easily say, when you begin to see things from the high perspective of the ever-presence of God's substance, you will be in the flow of health, which will bless your life with sustained health. You can be in the flow of creativity, which will bless your life with sustained creativity. You can be in the flow of relationships, which will bless your life with sustained, glorious, loving relationships. This is all a part of what Eric Butterworth calls a new world vision. Are we ready to live that new world vision where we have want for nothing? I am. I am. Because I still have wants and needs and desires, but I am open to being so acutely in the flow of the good that I don't concern myself with the wants and desires anymore to such a degree that everything I need is always provided for me no matter what. How about you? The wholeness of you The wholeness, every aspect, every cell of your being, the wholeness of you, every spiritual aspect, every physical material aspect of you is universal substance. It is God essence. So if you seek to change your experience, root yourself in this idea. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. When we know who we are, we eliminate the doubt dance. We cannot not. Is that the way I wanted to come out? We cannot be in a dance of doubt ever when we know who we are. But it is a path and a practice. And so that is the practice that we are teaching here. You can take responsibility for your own spiritual economy. You can take responsibility for your own spiritual economy, the way that spirit is showing up and expressing itself in all facets and all aspects of your life. You get to take responsibility for it. And you know what? No one else is going to do anything about your spiritual economy. The power of personal responsibility is rooted in the understanding that you can change your experience of what no longer serves you. So if you are ready to let go, if you are ready to let go of those things that do not serve you, step into a deepened understanding of being in the flow, the circulation and the flow. You can be a leader, leading by example, and change the collective consciousness of this world, much of which is rooted in lack. You get to decide to not participate in that collective consciousness of lack. And your example can be a bright light unto the world. So let us complete our renewal this week by offering, I'm going to offer up our, I'm not saying this very clearly, I'm going to offer up the final words of the book, because I think this is, he he ended his book so brilliantly. (sighs) And it's just the way that I want to complete the time here. He wrote this, I am only one, but I am one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. That is a decided mind. That is a mind that has moved beyond the doubt dance. And I encourage us all to take that to heart. Peace and blessings to you. You are magnificent. So this week's homework is actually uh, similar to last week's homework. Sorry. (laughs) 
But rather than blessing the substance, I would like us all to spend this week wholeheartedly expressing gratitude for the people who serve us in our lives in some way, no matter who they are. Rather than a quick thank you, explore what it feels like to stop, pause, smile, make eye contact, perhaps even steal a glance at someone's name tag. Like if you're at Starbucks, do you ever look at people's name tags? I always look at people's name tags. Um, So that you can include their name in offering gratitude to them in some way and say thank you. That's the homework. I think it's easier than last week's. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's going to be easier, she says. Yeah. So spend this week in gratitude and offering up that gratitude and expressing it for all the people, the people in our lives. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.